It's strange to think that uh, this isn't a, a hymn that we sing very much nowadays. Um, it was in the Methodist hymn book, which shows where I originated, of course, and it was one of the hymns that we sang because it seemed to epitomize the truth. I know my, my mother and my father loved that hymn. And I know my father always used to say, I can't wait to get to the last verse, but I seem to struggle so much round about the middle. I've been preaching since I was 20, well, I was accredited just before we got married when I was 23 in the Methodist church. And it's really, that's quite a long while. And when I, I became a local preacher, I can remember resolving before God that I was never going to preach anything that I hadn't really tried to live myself. I wasn't going to tell other people what they should be doing until I'd done it myself. And on the whole, because local preachers are professional preachers and I don't have that many preaching appointments, it's uh, usually been something that I've carried on trying to do. But I'm very conscious that there's one area that I really have to say I haven't succeeded. I haven't gone from verse 1 of that hymn to verse 4. And I'm conscious as we've been going through 40 days of purpose that this perhaps is the thing that's come through for me most strongly. The absolute essential part of giving our all to Jesus Christ. Another old Methodist hymn, we never can know the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. And one of our, mem our texts, our memory verses that we've been learning, you must love the Lord the your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And so today, I want to, the thoughts I want to share with you from God's word I have to confess that I'm preaching what I know to be true, but confessing that a lifetime of seeking to live the Christian life has left a scandalous gap between what I preach and what I actually live. I want us to reflect together on simple but basic truths about Christ's death and resurrection that we all acknowledge in our minds, but often fail to translate into our daily living. The truth is so basic that we could, I could have found many Pauline texts to use, but tonight, because 2 Corinthians is perhaps my favorite epistle, I'm using the words that Paul used to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter five, and looking between verses 14 and 17. One died for all. At the root of the sin problem lies the self problem. Sin is an assertion of myself against God. Every time I disobey or ignore God, I am in fact saying that he doesn't really love me, he isn't working for my good, 
It's saying, I know better than God. I'll run my life my way. Deep within us all is this self-problem. Self-will that disobeys God's commands. Self-pity that poisons our lives. Self-sufficiency that says, I can do it on my own. I'll come to you if I need any extra help, God. Self-centeredness. Me at the centre, at the heart of my world. All of self and none of thee. And there is only one solution radical enough to deal with the self-problem, and that solution is death. And there's only one death that has that kind of power, and that's the death of Christ at Calvary. Because of our sins, we deserve in God's sight death. But Christ on the cross takes your sins, my sins, the sins of the world, and pays the price, cancels them, obliterates them completely. And because of this one death, our sins are forgiven, our sentence changed from guilty to pardoned, our status as slaves to sin to sons and daughters of God. And all that God requires of us in order to do this is that we, by faith, accept him as our saviour. I think it was Martin Luther who defined faith as saying, yes, this is for me. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me the pronouns of the cross coming alive for us, individually. That's the moment of salvation for each human soul. But it's also the first step of dealing with the self-problem that lies at the root of the sin problem. For the vision of the love that was willing to be broken for us, the awareness of the love that held Christ on the cross, that accepted the suffering of physical pain, mental anguish and spiritual desolation for us, is the only power, the only power, strong enough to dethrone self and crown him Lord of our lives. It's the love of Christ, that of Calvary, that is the love that compels us. Or as the New English Bible has it, the love of Christ leaves us no other choice. <coughs> the second conviction follows in verse 14. Therefore, all died. Not only did Christ die for us, but we died with Christ. Christ's death was my death in that he died in my place, so that when he died, I died. Christ's death wasn't just a death for sin, it was a death to sin. 
Christ died so that the sin-producing I at the centre of my world might die too. I'm so reassured by the inclusiveness of these words, all died. It means that in the death of Jesus, there is total victory over all the hostile forces ranged against us. Sin that would condemn us, the flesh that would ensnare us, the world that would divert us, all put to flight, defeated by Christ on the cross, robbed of their power over him and therefore wonderfully over us too, over us who are in Christ. Surely this is the new creation of which we are part by God's grace and through faith. Paul had this same truth to share with many of the churches to whom he wrote so clearly. It's the key truth in Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Let me just remind you of it. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Then there's Colossians chapter 3. Well, let's go to Galatians first, because that comes first. Galatians 2 and verse 20, that's really well-known passage. I have been crucified with Christ, says Paul, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then in Colossians, which for some reason I always find it difficult to find, where in chapter 3 and verse 3 he says, when for your li- you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You see, the call to faith is the call to identify ourselves with the conviction, with these convictions, not to be an onlooker to the crucifixion, but to be gathered up into it. We're not invited to look at the death of Christ as something that happened 2,000 odd years ago, and put some kind of intellectual belief into it. The Bible makes it clear that what is expected of us in response is much more believing than believing it happened or even believing we're forgiven because of it or even being grateful that it is so. We are called to be gathered into his death and resurrection so that in one sense, they become ours. We're being invited, and this is really important to realise, we're being invited day by day to die to all that Christ died to, all that is evil and false and contrary to God's will and purpose, and rise in our daily living to all that he rose to. New life lived in God's way. One of the things that as a group we've found in the 
40 days of purpose that we've sometimes remarked upon, is that when we've looked at the video and been reading the book, sometimes it seems to be easy. Rick Warren seems to make it seem that it's easy. But you know it's not easy. And I think we'd all know that, that it's not easy. Many of us have been Christians for many years and know just how difficult it is to deal with this sin problem, this self-problem that so dominates our lives. It's radical. Paul's teaching is radical. I can remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think it was, who said that when a man calls a man, he calls him to come and to die. And death isn't easy. It's hard. And you know, we don't have to rely on feelings. They often mislead and confuse. We have to make the dying and rising of Christ the reality on which we build our lives. We live reckoning them to be true. Day by day, moment by moment of each day, we have to reckon on what Christ has done for us. Christ defeated the power of death in my life, in your life, and made me a new creation, you a new creation, in him. We have a new centre. Not I, but Christ living in me. The old self has been nailed to the cross, and that's the truth of God. The truth of God that we have to answer to the devil when he tempts us away from this. The truth of God that we have to turn our minds to continually when we're being tempted in another direction. Of course, we know that while we live on earth and breathe, the old self won't die, lie down and die quietly. Every day, he will assert himself. He will try to spoil our God-given life. And every day, we have to look that sin-soaked self full in the face and refuse to recognize it as the real me. We have to come to Calvary every day to realize again, to experience again the compelling love revealed there that alone has the power to free us from the love of self and fill us with a deeper love for him. Donald English was another Methodist preacher. He was one of the Methodist the leaders of the Methodist Conference, and he was a regular speaker at Keswick and lots of other conventions, I expect. But I can remember reading about a lady who was at one of these Keswick conventions where he was speaking about this dying and rising again, being gathered up into the death of Christ so that we could live the resurrection life. And she came home, and she was very full, as we always are when we come back from a convention, with wanting it to find out if it really worked. And she said that the very first Sunday she was back, she went to church. And at church, 
The very first person that started speaking to her was somebody who really irritated and annoyed her and always managed to say the things that wound her up and made her angry and aggressive. And she said, and I came back home and I knelt down beside my bed and thought, goodness, I've fallen again. And she said, and then I remembered what Donald English had said, how day by day we have to die to that attitude, that old attitude. We have to nail that attitude to the cross and we have to rise to the new life. And she said, I knelt at the bed and said, Lord, forgive me. I want to die to all these angry feelings. I want to die to all this irritation with this particular lady. And she said, and I got up from my knees, and she said, and it was incredible. All I could feel was love and compassion for this woman who'd irritated me so much. And I think she said that she wrote to Donald English and said, keep on preaching it, because it really, really works. I know I could say that one of the things that's, of the, you know, the memory verses we've been learning, probably because it's one of the shortest, the one that's helped me most over these past six weeks is that one where it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And you know, when things have been going wrong and I've been getting irritable or people have upset me, I found myself able to sit down where I say my prayers probably, or to say just wherever I am, may my attitude be the same as that of Jesus Christ. And you know it is, it's incredible how it works. Somehow the irritation seeps away and we're able to experience the love that he longs to give in our lives. You see, the cross and the resurrection are bound together in apostolic teaching because they're so closely bound in Christian experience. If I know that my old self has been dealt with by Christ on the cross, it's a natural progression to see that the new self is energised by the power that brought Jesus from the dead. And because we are counted in gathered into Christ's death, we are also counted in to his resurrection life. The life of the risen Christ is in us. We live in him. And the motivation for this new life is not our love for him, but his for us. Paul says, I no longer live for myself. I'm constrained and compelled by the love of Calvary. <coughs> the question I continually need to ask myself if I want to grow in grace is, have I allowed Christ to set me free from living for myself? Have I let him set me free from living for any of the good idols that can so easily fill the centre spot? our families, our work, our church, our ministry, even our evangelism. Do I love, live for him 
alone. Is he at the centre for our new life, which is his life in us, springing from that centre and that centre alone? Did you notice verse 16 as we looked at it? It says that if we've allowed Christ to set us free, we're going to have a new attitude to other people. The worldly point of view judges everyone from the reference point of I. The old self used people. The new self loves them and longs to share Christ's life and love with them. The old self was afraid of what other people will say or think or do. The new self will pray for people and care for them. The old self worried about status and appearance. The new self is anxious only to serve and to give. The new self looks at people with the eyes of God's love, for it is his life we're living. We no longer have to take from others to boost our ego, because that ego is dead, nailed to his cross, and we're free to serve with his love, his compassion, his concern a new creation in Christ, a new identity, a new purpose, a new dynamic, a new motivation, a new centre. Oh dear, I'm afraid I might have done what Rick Warren sometimes does and made it sound easy. And it's not easy. But it is possible. Christ has made it possible. <coughs> through his death and resurrection. As we walk through this Holy Week once again, let us remember that God calls us to be Easter people, not just people who once a year celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but true Easter people, men and women who live day by day the dying and rising of Christ. I believe that's the purpose God has for each one of us. And it's within our grasp. And all God requires of us, and maybe this is the most difficult part, all God requires of us is our faith, our trust, and our obedience to make it not just a dream, but a vital, actual experience. Let us pray together. Father God, as we stand at the threshold of Holy Week and prepare to follow our Saviour, Jesus Christ, on that lonely road, through the agony of Gethsemane, the pain of betrayal, the desolation and the shame of the cross, to the joy of Easter Day, 
May the love, the indescribable love of that event, kill our self-centeredness. Kill the I at the centre of our being. Father, may we be gathered into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, moment by moment, day by day, dying to all he died for, to all that is evil and false and contrary to God's will and purpose, and rising in our daily living to all that he rose to. New life, purposeful life, free life, lived in God's way. Give us, Father, even as we pray this prayer, your infinite resources of grace to help us to trust and obey. For we ask it in your name. Amen.